Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. The saga at the Tim Bosma murder trial continues. Jurors still out, but uh, still seems to be some activity. To give us an update on what's been happening, Alex Pearson is with us, covering, of course, the Tim Bosma murder trial and is with us now. Hi, Alex. How are you today? Hey, Scott. Doing great. Thank you. So it, 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 this just seems to get more unusual every passing day, doesn't it? Are you surprised by anything that happens in the courthouse? No. no. Have you ever Courts are a bizarre place anywhere, you know? Yeah. Bizarre things happen. We're covering a bizarre, twisted trial. So it's only fitting that, you know, that we had a woman barge in during deliberations today. So yeah, there's, right. a, there's a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> let, let's get to that first. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, there was an illness and then a woman yeah. barging in. Uh, start with whichever one you want. Well, I'll start with the first one. So we're hearing back this testimony. So the jury came back this morning because they're hearing testimony that they requested to hear last night. And it's regarding the testimony around Matt Hagerman, who had spoken to Michelski, um, you know, about the arrest of Della Millard, who had come by, given Hagerman the toolbox, and then, of course, he and Michelski had cotton together uh, and, and made a pact that they were going to dump this uh, weed in the knapsack and the item that was dropped off to Hagerman in a stairwell because they just didn't want anything to do with this case after learning it was connected to Tim Baza. So we were in the midst of hearing that testimony, and all of a sudden, this woman barges in, and I'm not really sure, A, how she got past security, B, how she got to the sixth floor, <laughs> got into this court case uh, where she was kind of muttering to herself, you know, her hair all wild and, and uh, saying wild things. But nonetheless, she barged in and was muttering to herself. She sat in the back row and then started kind of praying. And then the judge shut things down and said, yeah, hello, get her out. And then she was walked away and said, that's all I'm going to say. I'm all done. And then left. And we were like, okay, mm-hmm. let's go on. And then a few minutes later, as we were listening again to the testimony, she, uh, the juror in the back row sitting kind of closer to my side kind of put his face down. And I noticed him. I didn't know what he was doing. I thought he was spitting tobacco into a, an empty cup. I, it was like the, the oh, most bizarre no. thing. And then a couple of minutes later, it was very evident that he was getting uh, ill. Wow. Uh, the, the judge noticed it and shut things down, and, and he kind of fled the, the courtroom. It, it's unfortunate that it happened. We were uh, broken for about 10 minutes as the judge looked into it. The jury brought back in, and he officially suspended deliberations, and we've just been informed that we are now down until one thirty so that uh, they can you know, treat this man and see if he can come back. Now, if he can't come back, it's very unfortunate, but uh, the rule of thumb is that you can go down to 10 jurors officially to deliberate, but no fewer. So, hmm. you know, if he can't come back, we then go to 11. Um, hopefully we'll get some good news, but that's kind of where we're at now. Wow. Uh, let's go back to the original uh, story. What is security like in the courtroom? What do you have to go through to get in every day? Well, at this point, I, I have credentials, and those who have been here are kind of known, so we're okay. It's just, you know, it's generally the same uh, that we've had in place. Uh, you know, when Mr. Millard and Mr. Smith are brought in, there's always uh, three guards that kind of stand around them. So it's not increased. When we will see a big increase in security, it's certainly verdict time. And they, the courtroom will take an, a completely different appearance than what we've been uh, seeing now. The, the accused will no longer sit together. They will be uh, put separately, either on separate sides of the, the courtroom, or they will be put into the prisoner um, bay, whichever is the safest route. These guys are not friends. Mm. And if 
the jury comes back to different verdicts for both, you know, it would not surprise me at all to see some kind of outburst or reaction. So they will definitely increase the number of security officers um, and, and and take precautions, uh, and that's that's how that will run. Um, but right now, you know, people are just kind of wandering around doing their thing. The bosses are here. People are heading out to lunch and, and you know, taking advantage of some downtime now that the jury is officially kind of uh, not deliberating. Um and at night when we're down here, because the court's not generally open until 8.30, there are extra police officers who make sure that, uh, you know, no one's wandering in. Courts have a way of inviting weird people. So yeah. they try to contain the crazy. Uh, and what was the accused reaction with all this activity in the courtroom today? It was interesting because Mark Smith, who has not moved an inch, uh, I'm, I'm almost thinking that he's a statue at this point, actually jumped in his chair. It took air uh, when that woman uh, walked in because it kind of took everyone off guard. The only one who didn't seem to notice it was the, the guy manning the door. I guess he thought she was normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we all certainly noticed. And um, Smith was visibly kind of shaken by it. Um, and then obviously they got the situation in, in control and it was taken care of. But he was a bit rattled. So, uh, in regard to the juror that is that fell ill, uh, court or sorry, back in session at one thirty without or with this juror. No, I, I suspect we'll come back at one thirty, and the judge may get some kind of uh, clarity. You know, as he's being, I would think that this is the fastest this person would ever be treated in our medical system. That's the upside mm. of this is that he's going to get the fastest medical treatment in the world. They'll assess whether or not it's just a quick uh, bug, or mm. if he actually has the full blown flu. I mean, could you imagine if he's got a real fl- serious? flu bug and it goes through that exactly. jury very close. Oh, that would be an absolute disaster. Oh, so they would want him, if he has the flu, not to be brought back around the jury. And that's a decision that they will have to make, which is really unfortunate because they are now well, well, well into the deliberations. But again, I say it, it is safer to remove him if he poses a health risk to anybody else and continue on because you do not want to keep losing jurors. It, it is a, a real bad, bad thing. And they can go on with 11 jurors? They can go on down to 10. So once you get to 11, you know, we, we had right. 14, they, they two left, and then we got to 12. You don't want to really lose any, but if you had to, you could go down to 10. And that won't, in, that won't uh, alter a verdict in any way? No, no. But that, that is something you don't want to see. Right. But again, it would not uh, jeopardize this, this trial. All right, getting back to the questions that started all and brought it all this and brought all this back into the courtroom, anything we can tell from those from the questions? Well, I, I can't make out the first question. It may, still makes no sense to me why they would be asking about evidence that was never presented. And certainly I'm talking about when they asked when Tim Bosma filled up with gas, which right. never came out in evidence and had a lot of people kind of scratching their heads. But the second question was certainly more um, telling. It was focusing on Mark Smith. And certainly I go back to the testimony between Matt Hagerman. Remember, he was the guy that was blubbering the whole time he was on the stand. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he was mocked by Mr. Dungey saying, you know, stop your sniveling. What are you sniveling? about and, yeah. and that was his testimony he was a blubbering uh, fool but nonetheless he was given this toolbox with the uh, Walther PPK that it was said to kill Tim Bosma at 4 a.m. just hours before Della Millard was arrested and the jury specifically wanted to know what the pact quote-unquote or arrangement was made mm-hmm. uh, between he and Mr. Machelski who was also um, told to get the drugs out of Della Millard's house by Mr. Smith so when we're listening back to that testimony it's about 30 minutes worth of testimony so you can actually hear the audio of the crown as well as uh, lawyers for Millard uh, questioning Mr. Hagerman on this and in it we did hear 
uh, that uh, he himself, Mr. Hagerman, never talked to Mr. Smith, and there was never any formal arrangement made, but the idea was to get this stuff to Mr. Smith, and they, Mr. Hagerman and Mr. Machelsky, were driving over after Della Millard's arrest on the 10th, and it was when they were listening on the radio to the news that they heard it was in connection with Tim Bosma. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when the men panicked and said, to hell with this, we want nothing to do with it. They took both items, the toolbox and the drugs, and said, he can get it himself, we're dumping it down the stairwell. Right. Um, and so that's when they placed those items at the bottom of the stairwell in the plaza in Oakville. So the jury really wanted to hear that, and what that tells me is that they're, they're now focused on Mr. Smitch, obviously, and what possibly role uh, he had in instructing, which would talk to planning and covering up and things like that. So where does, where does it take us? Don't really know. But mm. we're certainly, it, it tells me that they're either very, very far into uh, their decision-making and could come back with an answer maybe tomorrow. Um, you know, maybe they've already decided on Millard and they're just focusing on Mr. Smith, or they could be really far away from it uh, if they're only, you know, ping-ponging back and forth between Millard and, and Smith kind of going through chronologically. So, you know, again, it's the guessing game. When uh, the jury has a question or questions such as this, mm-hmm. um, and and they address the judge, what's the protocol? Uh, they pass it to uh, the, the security people, they yeah. pass it on to the judge. Then does everybody get back into the courtroom for that? Yeah, it's the old-fashioned write a letter on a piece of paper. Uh, to the judge, that that piece of paper is given to one of the court marshals that uh, uh, we have a number of them, and they've all been now sworn in officially to the court that they are in charge of this jury. They are to protect the jury, to protect their privacy, and no, they're like a wall between the jury and the world, mm-hmm. and they're with the jury all the time. So they watch them eat dinner, they walk outside with them, they're at the hotel with them, and it's their job then to make sure all the communications go between the jury to the judge. So they write the letter to the judge. The judge then reads it out for the court. The jury is then brought in. The questions reread to the jury, and the answer is given after discussions with the lawyers as to what uh, course of action they want to take. And in this case, it made sense that to isolate only that portion of testimony, there's no questions that are raised during this, so it's not like the lawyers can address anything. It's just simply played back and the jury listens to it, and then they go back to deliberation. And then everybody exits the courtroom. Yep. Really? So yep. every so when uh, so when these questions arise, mm-hmm. uh, the courtroom's empty. Everybody files back in. They hear what the jury has to say or, or, or what they want in regard to uh, information, and then everybody exits again. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like. It goes very informal, 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 then formal. So it's like yeah. it is a real game of hurry up and wait down here. And what's the feeling down there? What's the atmosphere like down there while you people are waiting and the family's there and such? I mean, what what is the feeling? Um, it, it depends on like what level you're at. By later this afternoon, you'll start to see nerves kind of getting a little bit more um, frayed. Certainly for the Bosmas, you know, like, look, you have moments where everyone's just chilling and shooting the breeze. You know, I'm looking out the window right now. You've got a prayer table down there supporting the Bosmas. You've got a bunch of media kind of sitting down and enjoying the sunshine. Uh, they're all set up and ready to go for whatever happens. And up here in the halls, you've got people who have been watching this case for the past four and a half months who are just simply sitting, waiting. Some are reading. Some of them are shooting the breeze. You've got, uh, we created our own little media section, like a war room, so that we can file and get our deadlines met. Um, you know, we shoot the breeze with the lawyers, 
Hello, Mr. Nadir Sechak, who's just walking by me right now. Um, we chat with the Bosmas, people go for coffee. Then, of course, we get called back and everyone gets right back down to business. It's kind of like this hurry-up-and-wait game um, that can be sometimes very boring, sometimes very funny. Um, and then as the days go on and you start to really kind of wonder where the jury's at, you'll start to see people starting to get very kind of irritable, um, worried, certainly for the Bosnians, they've got so much invested in this, um, they'll start to wonder where things are at, and it can get very emotional. Once we get word that a verdict is reached, that's when it gets real, mm-hmm. and um, it gets very emotional. Certainly for this, because it's such a high-profile case, you'll see a whole dynamic shift. As I mentioned, all the security around the building will alter dramatically, both inside and out. People will be rushing. Uh, you'll see all the, all the trucks and all the media will get into place. It's kind of just like the calm before the storm. Mm. Alex Pearson has been with us covering, of course, the Tim Bosma trial down at the courthouse uh, at this point. Well, what happens now? 1.30, we're back in and wait to see what's happening with the juror, I guess. Yeah, so you take advantage of this official downtime because you know that no one's going to be asking anything of you. So now everyone's kind of rushing out, grabbing a bite to eat, coming back, and um, and we'll wait for one thirty to see if the juror is going to be able to continue or if we go with 11. Alex, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My absolute pleasure. Cheers, Scott.